Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Lane's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 672. Well, you know who I think would be pleased by the opening topics on this morning's show? Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy. That's right, Bill Nye the Science Guy. That's thanks to scientific topics this morning, including new research about how birds can detect Earth's magnetic field through proteins in their eyes. Why Dutch dairy farms are becoming bird-friendly. And why pigeons' feathers are getting darker. Okay, here we go. Researchers at Lund University in Sweden have made a discovery about the internal magnetic compass of birds. The receptors that sense the Earth's magnetic field are believed to be located in birds' eyes, and the researchers have found that a single protein in the eyes of zebra finches appears to be different from all the other proteins by maintaining a constant level throughout the day and in different lighting conditions. It's called the CRY4 protein, and it seems that without it, birds would probably find it much more difficult to find their way to the spring breeding grounds and back home again in the fall. And this study may get us closer to understanding just how they do it. Meanwhile, it turns out that after World War II, the Dutch government made a big effort to boost the dairy industry there. And it worked so well that 80% of the Netherlands' dairy products are now exported. But that success came at a price in the form of disastrous results for farmland biodiversity, animal welfare, and the conditions of the land. Land that was once filled with meadow birds, now lost to excess drainage, early mowing, and the transformation of biodiverse grasslands into sterile monocultures. Within a few decades, birds like ruff and skylark had nearly disappeared and populations of black-tailed godwit, the Dutch national bird, had fallen dramatically. Now the good news, since 2012, BirdLife Netherlands, VBN, has been working with the Dutch dairy industry, trying to convince them of the importance of biodiversity measures. And they say that promising results have already been seen, and that the momentum of interest, both in the industry and with consumers, is picking up speed. In 2014, a new cheese from an organic, biodiversity-rich farm started production in which a third of the grasslands are now mown after mid-June, by which time black-tailed godwit chicks are able to fly. And in 2016, a new environmentally friendly range of milk, yogurt, and cottage cheese products bearing the BirdLife logo began being sold in one of the biggest supermarket chains in the country. And BirdLife Netherlands' Garrett Gerritsen offered a little Casablanca paraphrase about these developments, saying, we think this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You must remember this. 
Yes, we'll always have Paris. And that leads us to a new study from Pierre and Marie Curie University in that city, which suggests that dark pigments in the feathers of rock pigeons may help them remove some toxic metals from their bloodstream, thereby improving their survival chances in urban or polluted areas. In birds, the pigment melanin provides black and brown color to feathers and also binds to metal ions like zinc and lead. According to Marion Chatelain, a theoretical ecologist at the university, previous studies suggest that bird populations exposed to higher levels of these heavy metals may lay fewer eggs and have reduced male fertility. So darker colored pigeons, according to the study, may be able to better detox heavy metals from their bloodstreams in urban environments. Not everybody's convinced by the new research, though. Marcel Eens, a behavioral ecologist at the University of Antwerp in Belgium, points out that because the birds molt and replace feathers once a year, it's highly unlikely that they can detoxify their blood to a significant extent. And he suggests that the prevalence of dark-colored birds in urban areas may stem from other factors. For instance, studies show that the darker-feathered birds are bolder and more aggressive. And that fact, Ian says, could equally well explain the darker-plumage pigeon's relative success in a competitive urban environment. Stay tuned. Meanwhile, if you like crows, or at least find them interesting because they are so wicked smart... Be sure to check out our new podcast extra produced by our own Debbie Bleacher. If you're not getting it automatically in your podcast feed, you can hear it by going to TalkingBirds.com slash listen slash podcast. That's TalkingBirds.com slash listen slash podcast. Well, we're getting all kinds of great photos coming in in our Make Your Own Swag contest. They are coming in hot and heavy. If you're listening live, we can tell you that tonight at midnight, 15th of April, is the deadline for submitting a photo for the contest. Details on how to do it in a moment. But right now, we'd like to congratulate the latest Make Your Own Swag contest winner. It's Maurice Ives from Tucson, Arizona. Nice going, Maurice. He sent us an amazing photo of himself hand-feeding a pair of broad-billed hummingbirds, which he describes as the tough guys on the block, with the Catalina mountain range and the incredibly blue sky of a Tucson winter's day as the backdrop. And he says the birds seem to love the addition of the Talking Birds swag patch on his hat. You can see the photo on our Facebook page, and we'll be sending Maurice a really nice bird book from our really nice bird book collection. And he's eligible, as is everyone who sends us a swag photo for the grand prize, a Celestron Hummingbird Micro Spotting Scope. If you'd like to uh, try to beat the deadline, request one to Ray at TalkingBirds.com. We'll send you all the uh, info about it. That sounds like a flock of mystery birds our mystery bird contest coming up later in the show this is a little preview here it's a medium-sized duck kind of giving that away that's found in various kinds of wetlands where it dabbles for seeds and aquatic vegetation and other things like insects and snails the colorful male of the species has large light blue patches on the front of its wings and a bright brownish red head and body it has a black bill and red eyes. 
That's our mystery bird. We have some fabulous prizes as we've had lately. A beautiful Droll Yankees feeder, Audubon Park wild bird food, and a download of the LarkWire app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Prizes on our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later on in this morning's show. Extra, extra, read all about it. And uh, here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Why native plants are important to bringing bugs and birds to your backyard. University of Delaware entomologist Doug Tallamy explains. Talking Birds ambassador Billy Cantwell followed the link to the piece and she says, Here in Knoxville, Tennessee, we have a native plant rescue squad that rescues, repots, and sells the plants. And she says, I only add native plants to my garden now. They are so easy and beautiful. Way to go, Billy. Want to see a great photo of a blue-winged kookaburra? You'll find one direct from the Northern Territory of Australia, supplied by our friend David Clapp, who's leading a birding tour down that way. You'll find that on our Facebook page. And our herring gulls helicopter parents our Mike O'Connor's latest newspaper column explains why adults of this species are so protective of their chicks. We'll link you to Mike's fascinating and informative column. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. And don't forget, you can find some of those stories at least through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Here's some bird conservation bad news. You may have heard about the Trump administration made it clear this week that it is weakening a century-old law to protect birds, issuing guidance that the law would not be used as it has been to hold people or companies accountable for killing the animals. In an opinion issued Wednesday to federal wildlife police who enforce the rule, for example, the guidance said, a person who destroys a structure such as a barn knowing that is full that it is full of baby owls in nests is not liable for killing them all that is relevant they say is that the landowner undertook an action did not have that did not have the killing of barn owls as its purpose the 1918 law was enacted after several species of common birds became extinct the national audubon society and other organizations named 2018 the year of the bird in honor of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act's centennial. The new interpretation reverses decades of action by Republican and Democratic administrations to protect the animals as they navigate the globe. And 17 former interior officials, including U.S. Fish and Wildlife Directors under Presidents Richard Nixon, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama, repudiated the reinterpretation when it was first announced in December. The officials sent a letter to Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke in January, hoping in vain that this new policy would not be put into effect, saying, quote, This legal opinion is contrary to the long-standing interpretation by every administration since at least the 1970s who held that the Migratory Bird Treaty Act strictly prohibits the unregulated killing of birds well here's some conservation good news this week special thanks to audrey up in falmouth maine for alerting us to this the island nation of taiwan has begun putting in place a ban on single-use plastic bags straws and cups 
The ban would be phased in over a number of years, and a Taiwanese EPA official explained it by saying, quote, we aim to implement a blanket ban by 2030 to significantly reduce plastic waste that pollutes the ocean and also gets into the food chain to affect human health, end quote. The first part of the regulation includes banning chain restaurants from giving straws to customers in 2019, something Scotland has also done, and then an overall ban on straws in dining outlets by 2020. Almost no plastic straws are recycled. The Hong Kong Free Press reports that these changes will culminate in a complete ban on single-use bags, utensils, straws, and containers by 2030, in an effort seen as part of a larger movement against plastic around the world as governments realize that the convenience of all this plastic may not be worth the harm that it causes. Well, your humble host has finally gone emissions-free in the automotive department with the recent acquisition of an electric-powered automobile from that cool car company in California. These new vehicles are not your father's electric cars, by the way. They are amazing and <clears throat> fast. Meanwhile, here's a little electric vehicle quiz. In which city are all of the buses, all 16,000 of them, electric-powered? The answer, Shenzhen, China, which also boasts the largest fleet of electric taxis. More than 12,500 of them, representing almost 63% of the overall fleet. And the head of the city's public transport department says the city will gradually replace the existing fuel-powered cabs with electric-powered ones by 2020 or sooner. But is China really serious about enforcing fuel economy standards? Well, how about this? China has stopped the sale of more than 500 car models that did not comply with new fuel economy rules that came into effect on January 1st. Pretty much sad to say the opposite of what's happening here in the States right now, where the EPA is attempting to roll back fuel economy standards. Well, we'd like to say thank you to some more Talking Birds ambassadors who've joined our program. We are so grateful to Tom Semino from Princess Anne, Maryland. Tom reports that he's a member of the Tri-County Bird Club in Maryland and loves to bird his favorite hotspots. And he says it's a great time of year to observe birds on the eastern shore of Maryland with new spring arrivals and winter friends still here. Thank you, Tom, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thank you to Sharon and Matt Mutzel from Pincor, Quebec, Canada, who say we belong to one of the oldest bird conservation groups in North America, Bird Protection Quebec. We just celebrated the 100th anniversary in 2017. And they say they're looking forward to our weekly podcast while they have breakfast, while watching the birds at their feeders. And they've also asked for a couple of our Talking Birds patches, which we'll send out. Thank you, Sharon and Matt. And thank you to Ryan McLarens from Doncaster, South Yorkshire, England. Listens to his podcast, or our podcast, that is, he says, every morning whilst driving to work. And he's also requested one of our Talking Birds patches. It's on the way, Ryan, and thank you. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll... Consider joining Ryan and Tom and Sharon and Matt in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Just hand out some of our info cards to your friends and neighbors. To sign up, click on the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com 
and choose the become an ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment with advice about feeding the larvae of darkling beetles, better known as mealworms, to your backyard birds. And up next, a bird that doesn't care to go north in the spring, but would rather go up instead is a featured feathered friend today. I should, I've got that backwards. This is a bird that actually goes downward in the spring. It's our featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Well, spring migration is well underway for many bird species, and they take many kinds of routes to reach their breeding grounds, flying across bodies of water, flying along mountain ranges, flying over deserts and grasslands. In common is the flying part. Birds migrate by flying. Really? Yes, uh, well, okay, not entirely. Here in the U.S., there's at least one bird that migrates by walking. And it's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, the dusky grouse. This bird is not like a cassowary or kiwi or flightless cormorant. It can fly, it just apparently chooses not to, for the most part at least, on its short migration route, traveling not north and south, but uphill and downhill instead spending the winter up high in dense coniferous forests and down in more open areas in spring and summer in a kind of altitudinal migration. Adult male dusky grouse are mainly dark with a purplish throat air sac surrounded by white and a yellow to red wattle over the eye in breeding display. Females are mostly mottled brown with dark brown and white markings on the underparts. Adults have a long, square tail that's gray on the end. Dusky grouse feed on conifer needles, adding leaves, flowers, buds, berries, and insects to their diet in the summer. The bird is closely related to the sooty grouse. In fact, the two were once considered a single species known as the blue grouse. In breeding season, males create a display in which they strut along, tail raised and fanned, neck feathers spread to reveal patches of bright skin and produce a love call like this. The dusky grouse, Dendrachopus obscurus. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend walking down to the breeding ground. I'm walking, everything I'm talking, but you and me, I'm hoping that you come back to me. Thanks again for being with us. Our show number 672. As always, we uh, invite you to visit our website. It's TalkinBirds.com. There is no G in Talkin'. It's just TalkinBirds.com. And uh, again, hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. By the way, our show is produced live on Sunday mornings from 9.30 until 10 Eastern Time. Uh, so wherever you are, if you have an internet connection, you could listen to our show live and take part in the Mystery Bird Contest, for example. Uh, just go to TalkingBirds.com, that same website there, and uh, you can see how to do that. It's pretty easy to do. Just click on the uh, Listen button there and, uh, and kind of follow the bouncing ball. 
right along. Coming up, it is our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Kevin South, and I'm calling from Roseburg, Oregon. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because I really enjoyed the show and I became more passionate about birding in my community. And I wanted to share that not only with my coworkers and friends, but also the students that I teach. I actually do birding lessons with my third graders as a result of Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talkin' Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Our Mystery Bird Contest is sponsored by Audubon Park. Wild bird food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. If you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live and think you're unable to enter our contest, think again, because as we mentioned, you can hear our show live every week online, no matter where you are. We do it live Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern, TalkingBirds.com to see how to do it. You can search for Talking Birds, too. If you want to look for or listen to us on podcasts, you'll find us in iTunes or Google Play and your favorite podcasting app. Our mystery bird this morning sounds like this. At least a flock of them sounds like that. It's a medium-sized duck. It's found in various kinds of wetlands where it dabbles for seeds and aquatic vegetation and other things, including insects and snails. The colorful male of the species has large light blue patches on the front of its wings and a bright brownish red head in body, it has a black bill and red eyes. A little set of clues there for our mystery bird. You've heard the sound. Our prizes, the Droll Yankees New Generation 13-inch metal finch sock that combines the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal. And it holds a full pound of Niger seed, a.k.a. thistle seed. Bonus prizes, Audubon Park Regional Blend Wild bird food, customized to your part of the country in a big 20-pound sack. Wow. Plus, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. It's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. By the way, a little disclaimer here. We love to hear from our listeners in Canada, but some of our prizes can be sent to U.S. addresses only. So certainly be feel free to call from Canada but uh, try to offer a U.S. address if you win one of those prizes. Uh, not including the LockWire app, which can go anywhere, of course, electronically. 781-837-4900 is the number to call on our Mystery Bird Contest. We urge you to call as soon as you can. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. On Cape Cod at the Birdwatchers General Store, it's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. 
It's spring bird feeding time. Are your feeders ready? Spring migrants are arriving and your backyard birds are hungry for nutritious food for breeding season. And Audubon Park, celebrating 60 years as a family-owned business providing food safety certified products, has the perfect food for the birds in your backyard. Find great spring feeding reminders online at audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. And be sure to look for Audubon Park wild bird food next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. It's Let's Ask Mike with Mike O'Connor down at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. And the topic this morning is mm, mm, mealworms. Good and Del- good for right. you. Del- delicious mealworms. <laughs> First of all, congratulations on your electric car, right? Good for you. Well, well, thank you. And uh, I know somebody else who will uh, be getting one soon. I don't know if I should mention uh, that or not. but um, We'll have a little drag race when the time yeah. comes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're looking looking forward to that, and uh, we'll spend a few days in the in the clink together. <laughs> the big old, we'll be eating mealworms. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know mealworms are actually eaten throughout a lot of the world? Well, I didn't know that. I know yeah, there are, yeah, I know there fruit. are different kinds of larvae that are eaten, but I don't guess I didn't know about yeah, mealworms. Mealworms yeah, mealworms are pretty popular, hmm. and I, they're, um, they're not eaten in this country. At, well, at least not on purpose. I'm sure sometimes they sneak into the food, but mealworms, uh, and, and these are a popular food for bluebirds especially, um, and they're a little bit expensive, so um, I, this spring we get a lot of demand for mealworms because the bluebirds are actually on eggs right now, even with this ridiculously cold weather, mm-hmm. so people will put out mealworms that will help the adults, but more importantly, they help the babies when they hatch, and they're, they're, you, can, you can buy them dried, and the birds will eat those, but they really prefer the live ones. Yeah. And if you buy them, you can store them in your refrigerator. They won't turn into moths and fly around because they're not. They're beetles. Um, and they're a little bit expensive. So if you get those, put them out only a few at a time. It's not like a regular feeder that you stock it up for the week. You yeah. would put out these once or twice a day, maybe just a handful each time. The birds would come and take them. And then it'll be empty for a while. One of the feeders that um, I like to use is the Droll Yankee one of your, your companies, uh, they call it the Seed Saver, which is just a little bowl with a plastic dome over the top, keeps the rain off, mm. and it gives the, the, the worms some protection, and, and it kind of keeps the bigger birds out, like crows and stuff, also. Um, I, would, I would definitely recommend people who have bluebirds get these. If you've never had bluebirds in your yard, putting out mealworms isn't going to make bluebirds magically appear, because it's mm. all based on habitat, isn't it? So if you want to get bluebirds, I would you know, maybe put out a few birdhouses first, and then if you get some bluebirds, I'd put out some mealworms. You can buy them in a pet store. Pet stores typically have these little mealworms because people give them to geckos and things. But birding stores will carry them, too, especially this time of year. Yeah, all right. And I heard you can uh, shoot uh, shoot the mealworms up with a slingshot, and they'll go and get them. Is that... Is that true? Well, Purple Martins, absolutely. Yeah. You, you can flick them with a plastic spoon in Purple Martins. If you live near a Purple Martin colony, they would love them. Pretty cool. Mike, thank Pretty, you. That's, that's, what, that's an exciting sport for a birder, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. You got it, man. There's a part of our world that we pay little attention to. 
An ant drags a seed five times its own size, and a bee sips from a drop of dew. And down here, toxic chemicals and carcinogens are leaching into our environment. They come from objects that we look past every day, littered cigarette butts. Every one is a tiny toxic waste site. Let's stop the toxic litter. Learn more at RethinkButts.org. Here at the Mystery Bird Contest, I hope we have time. We better go right to uh, Mike, I think, uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania. You're hearing the sound of our bird in the background there. Uh, Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to hear from you. I think it's the first time we've heard from Erie, Pennsylvania, so thank you very much. Sure. What do you think our mystery bird is, uh, Mike? I believe it's a cinnamon teal. I believe uh, you are correct. In fact, I'm almost certain. (laughs) Yes, nice job. A cinnamon teal is our mystery bird. We are really short of time. Mike, thanks again for uh, calling in, and we'll send you those beautiful prizes. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, Mike, in Erie, Pennsylvania, correctly identifying the cinnamon teal as our mystery bird. Uh, Next week, we'll announce the grand prize winner in our Make Your Own Swag contest. The prize is a Celestron Hummingbird micro-spotting scope. Deadline is uh, midnight tonight for getting those uh, photos of your patches to us if you're thinking of doing that. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. Birdsandbeans.com.